0: I'm Aaron Henkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau.
1: Okay, face this way and now look up. Do you see it? Oh, yeah. My name is Barry Rice and my question is, who's the artist behind all the wire sculptures that are hanging between traffic lights around the city? Sculptors
0: just like this one. Uh, I see it up there. It's hanging off the traffic light cable. Very subtle image, though. Easy to miss this if you're not looking up. Uh, How how would you describe this this piece of street art that we're looking
1: at? It looks like a very happy owl who's up to some sort of mischief.
0: We're, uh, we're at the uh, intersection of 25th and Maryland Avenue, Barry. You say you've seen uh, wire pieces like this at other intersections around Baltimore, too?
1: Yes, on Enzer, I think it's at Preston. It's a little girl giving a love note to a boy, and he has his head in his hands. It's hilarious.
0: <laughs> you want to know, Barry, who is behind these little street art Easter eggs?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: All right, I'm going to see if I can get to the bottom of this for you. Thank you. Well, I will say it does take a while to find your way to this mysterious artist, not because he's hard to track down, but because of how many stairs you have to climb. He lives and works on the sixth floor of the copycat building, and uh, right now the elevator is on the fritz. When you finally get up there, though, you will find that he's a really friendly and welcoming artist who goes by the name Reed B. Moore.
2: I made it. Hey, welcome. I gotta catch my breath. (laughs) Hi, my name is uh, Reed Beemore. I am a wire artist and street artist and problem solver and neighbor of Baltimore, Maryland. I, I guess like what I do is I install illegal street art of wire sculptures on traffic lights.
0: Reed Beemore's loft space is big, big enough to ride a skateboard in. He's got a quarter pipe ramp set up between the kitchen and the living room. And the windows look out over Baltimore's Station North neighborhood to the city skyline beyond. The space is huge. The view is great. But a luxury condo, it is not. Reed says the water pipes work sometimes and the heat barely at all. His sculpture studio is actually one of the smallest rooms in the place. Good light, though, and it's decked out with hanging plants.
2: Yeah, it's one of the warmer rooms. You know, when you find a space that could actually stay above 50 degrees, then you take advantage of it and you put all your plants in there.
0: A couple of wire sculptures in progress hang on the wall. A four-foot ice cream cone and a giant skull. And there's a work table set up in here with some minimal tools and, of course, wire.
2: It's all cold bent process, so it's a lot of crimping. I literally, I just need pliers and wire. How did you
0: get into wire as your artistic medium? And let me have you, as best you can, like paint a picture with words of what people see when they see one of your sculptures.
2: Well, I guess like one of the big things that people would see is uh, a two-dimensional flat rendering of a line drawing in the sky you kind of see almost cartoonish renderings of using three-dimensional environment.
0: Yeah, it's a great optical illusion. I mean, you you make very three-dimensional looking flat objects. Yeah, on, on, with three-dimensional material. Use the word cartoonish. Talk about some of your favorite themes. Um, I've seen work of yours, things like jellyfish, astronauts. Talk a bit about your aesthetic.
2: Mostly, I... I always fall back into doing nostalgic pieces, I guess like whimsical themes. I, I, I almost like to say that I, I'm a pret engineer, um, but how I kind of started off doing this is it, it was always a material of design. When I went to school, I was a spatial and product designer, so it was one of those materials that I could use for fast prototyping, You know, making small mechanisms so people could understand like how something functions. And... I guess through doing like that design process, I kind of burnt myself out. So I was trying to find ways of using this medium that I was attracted to. I've had like an intimate relationship with to really speak on other levels aside from typical problem solving, which now I guess for the past almost decade, I've been using wire as a 2D material. It feels
0: like there's something kind of inherently political in your work, maybe just by right of its existence in the environment. Is it graffiti?
2: I would say that there are aspects of my work that are very graffiti-like. It is, uh, I guess by public perception, a way more accepted medium than spray painting on walls, which, I mean, I I guess in like almost the political nature, by doing something that isn't supposed to be, like, mandated or, like, you know, an advertisement. Uh, you're, you're saying something by going against the norms of society, which is, you know, sanctioned art.
0: For you, there's the the making of the sculpture, and then there's this sort of cloak-and-dagger adventure, right, of figuring out where you're going to install it around the city. Talk about that part of the experience and uh, and, and what you get out of it.
2: I guess... Back in the day, for, for my personal reasons, like I did street art to kind of validate myself. And now as kind of like the years go on and I've turned like my installation process more into like a science and like all the expectations of it, I guess it kind of took out the adrenaline. I, and, and, and it's weird because people think it's more of like a cloak and dagger type thing. But what I realized is it's not a cloak and dagger issue at all. You know what I mean? I've installed in front of like, police I've, I've installed in front of like anybody who was able to just kind of tell me not to do those sort of things. And I guess like through the process of doing this has also taught me about, you know, you, you have the power to go out there and, you know, put up a piece and like really positively affect the environment and doing artwork and getting away with doing artwork in front of like even authoritative figures like police really shows you like a huge hole in how we think about public space and who we demonize in public space.
0: You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment. If you ask Reed Beemore to think back on whatever the light bulb moment was that inspired his genesis as a wire sculpting street artist, he'll hem and haw for a bit and then he'll tell you a random story that may or may not seem relevant at first.
2: I don't know what it was. I I have like this weird, I'm not even sure if I remember telling anybody about this because I thought it was just like so stupid. But it was like one of those memories that – like a core memory that I've had in my head. And I remember taking a walk into the woods and it was like – or it was like a public park. And there was like this um, weird plastic horseshoe on the ground. I'm not sure. It was like a spacer. It was probably like – you know, it couldn't have been more than like five inches. And I just remember like whipping that thing. Like I was just like, oh, it's a boomerang. And just like throwing it as hard as I could. And it literally got stuck like so perfectly in the branch – of this tree. And I was like, oh man, I probably shouldn't like leave that there. So I was like trying to shake this off and it would stay on. It was, it was on forever. It was just one of those things for like two, three years while I was still stuck in that tree, I would always look up and be like, there's that dumb thing that I threw. And I I don't know, it was something about like the pseudo permanence and impermanence of me doing that. And Seeing this weird, stupid, plastic use stuck like perfect in the trunk of this tree. It was like a personal secret to myself. That even though I wasn't there all the time, it was still stuck in this tree. It was so inconsequential that nobody knew that it was there. But I kind of knew it was there and it mattered to me. Your sculptures are kind of like little secrets
0: that you're offering to people who happen to notice them when they go by.
2: Yeah, uh, Especially, like, when I hang them in places that aren't as in-your-face, you have to look at this stoplight because you're legally supposed to look at this stoplight, and I I, I guess it is, like, a little secret, and I do enjoy those types of messaging that I feel like I could have a one-on-one with a person viewing, and who knows, like, the one out of a thousand people that you could, like, see through the day and, like, really affect positively that, like, I guess helps me get over like, you know, my process and depression and all that other stuff, you know, through through the years.
0: I love that they are part of someone's experience at a stoplight because like being at a stoplight, you're in the midst of whatever is, you know, like keeping you from getting where you need to go. And then all of a sudden it's like, look at this instead and think about something else.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's things like that. That really pushed me to keep creating and making subject matter that, I guess, just like makes me and other people happy.
0: Reed B. Moore is 30 years old now. He came to Baltimore to study at MICA in 2009, but he moved around a lot when he was younger. He's Filipino and he was adopted by another Filipino family when he was six years old after his mom passed away. His adoptive father is an airline pilot, and their family moved up and down the East Coast until he settled into a career at a BWI airport. Reed Beemore had visited Baltimore before, but when he moved into town as an art student, that's when he really started to take in the city with an artist's eye.
2: And Baltimore is so rich with just like very diverse narratives. And I was very lucky to kind of grow up around Baltimore and experiencing it from an outsider's perspective before going in because that just made me, I guess, love the city even more. So like when I went through Baltimore as like the the lens of being almost like my canvas, that was, uh, is when I started seeing the benefits of, you know, there's a lot of traffic lights around here, you know, that are on wire lines, which could only, you know, which benefits
0: me. I love about your street art pieces that whenever you happen to see one, it's because you're looking up. And you've got the sky behind it. And depending on the weather or the cloud conditions that day, it's going to be a sort of a different experience. But it's always, I mean, it, it incorporates the environment as its backlight. I think that's a cool feature.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's also one of my biggest uh, inspirations. Do you have any idea of how many intersections have got Reed
0: be more wire sculptures hanging from them? Definitely more than a hundred. I guess you've been at this long enough that, uh, you've forgotten where half of them are and you probably could surprise yourself someday looking at a traffic light.
2: It is nice. like wandering an area that used to be so familiar to me and then coming back like five years later to kind of still seeing it exist. It's like those weird moments that kind of take me back to like that weird plastic tree, like type of feeling that I've had in my life. Validating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it, and it's all, it's humbling, you know?
0: street artist Reed B. Moore. You can see a gallery of his work on Instagram at Reed B. Moore art, or you can look up next time you're stopped at a red light and you just might see it there too. So now, you know, uh, we're back here at the intersection of 25th and Maryland with our listener, Barry, uh, who asked this week's question, Barry, uh, are you going to look at these sculptures now with a, a new light now that you know who's behind them?
1: Oh, definitely. I want to check him out online, and I want to do a scavenger hunt to try and find all the others. I only really know about two or three, and I still wonder, though, how does he block off the intersections to actually install the art? It looks pretty scary.
0: (laughs) He kind of talked his way around that, I'll be honest with you. That might be a trade secret that we're not meant to know, (laughs) but uh, he figures it out somehow, and... uh... There they are. So you've seen this one. You've seen a couple. You have probably 95 more to go to find in the city.
1: That's right. I've only seen a few.
0: Barry, I want to thank you for a a great question. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It's great to learn.
0: All right. That is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, an original production of WYPR in Baltimore. Got a question of your own? You can put me to work at wypr.org slash curiosity. And where we go next is up to you. And uh, hey, if you like the show, do me a favor and drop a review on Apple podcasts or whatever app you listen on. Just a line or two. Your words really do help other curious listeners find out about the show. Appreciate you. For the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture, online at thepeelcenter.org.